It's when there is big uncertainty, that's where we're at, as human beings, where we're at our most creative. And if we just use COVID as an example, look what we achieved. Yes, some absolutely awful things happened, of course they did. But look at all the amazing things that happened that would never have happened if we weren't in a period of such turmoil, complexity, uncertainty, volatility, great things happened. So for me, yes, the mindset, the mindset change, but to embrace the uncertainty and go, what can we do with it? Hello, and welcome to UmiCast, a podcast about business and entrepreneurship. This conversation is the fourth instalment from the series we're producing in collaboration with the Innovation Super Network, which if you didn't already know, is an organization that exists to connect businesses with the opportunities, finance and support they need to innovate and grow. Now, if you've listened to the second episode with Sarah Cox on mission-led innovation, you'll know all about the innovation challenges being launched by Sarah and the team at Challenge North Tyne. One of those challenges is to deliver energy-efficient low-carbon homes. And so in this conversation, I was joined by Sarah and also Lisa Morrison, who is an innovation manager at Innovation Super Network, and also David Lynch, who is the Energy Innovation Partnership Manager at the Northeast Local Enterprise Partnership. So this challenge is currently open to SMEs until November 24th and is being delivered by Innovation Super Network and the North East LEP on behalf of the North of Tyne Combined Authority. Uh, and given that the focus of the challenge is to decarbonise homes across the North East, Sarah, Lisa, David and I discuss why this needs to happen if we're going to achieve net zero and transition towards the much sought after low carbon economy. We also talk about the barriers that exist, particularly around the availability of skills we need to deliver low carbon homes and the types of solutions that could help bring this about from sustainable building materials to greener heating systems and everything else. So if you're somebody who is concerned about the direction of travel in terms of the net zero agenda or wondering how domestic households fit into the picture, this is definitely a conversation for you. I'll come back to this at the end, but if you're based in the north of Tyne region, which is Newcastle, North Tyneside and Northumberland, and you think you might have something to offer, please do register your interest for this challenge. You can do so at challengenortheast.co.uk. And now this is Sarah Cox, Lisa Morrison and David Lynch on delivering energy efficient low carbon homes. Okay, well, welcome to the podcast, uh, Sarah, Lisa and, and David. And uh, yeah, thanks so much for coming to do this in person. You know, it's uh, really great to have you guys here. Thank you so much for having us. Great to be here. Yeah, and a lovely view out the window, I must say. A lovely <laughs> yeah, sunny absolutely. day looking at the sea. Absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, obviously we're going to be talking really about decarbonisation of homes and energy efficiency and things like that. But I think if we can just start by talking about how you guys know each other, because that kind of collaboration piece, I think, has, has, has really come through quite strongly in all the conversations that we've been having. So, yeah, just, I guess, David, from, from your perspective first. Yeah, thanks, Richard. So, yeah, morning, everyone. So, I'm David Lynch. I'm an Energy Innovation Partnership Manager at uh, Northeast LEP. Um, I lead a, a partnership called the Northeast Energy Catalyst um, that unites our universities, our public sector organisations, private sector businesses, um, including Innovation Super Network, who um, Lisa um, and and uh, Sarah are from. And yeah, I've been working in this space for, for quite a while. Um, I've led on innovation challenges. Um, so I was very okay. quickly able to share some insights. Um, in 2019, we launched an energy innovation challenge program, um, supported about 50 businesses in, in that partnership. Um, so lots of insights to share. Um, we tended to, to focus in on digital solutions for decarbonisation, solutions for urban and rural settings, and then energy material-based solutions for decarbonisation. So having that level of engagement with businesses, um, I was able to kind of really steer and mould and share some insights with Sarah and Lisa around how, how the, the programme should be designed. Um, obviously, it's, it's a lower level of support. Um, it's more focusing on domestic, this one, but lots and lots of work going on and some really good innovative businesses as well to lean into that I've been engaging with through that 
uh, the Catalyst partnership that I could really share in. So okay. I've worked with the team. They part fund my role, Innovation Super Network, I should say that. So I've been working with the team now three years. Um, they're an excellent team. I think Estelle's doing a great job of really creating a, a real dynamic team. Um, and it's a great agenda to be in. I don't think there's ever been a better time to be involved in decarbonisation. There's so much going on in the region. So I'll stop there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> Go on forever, but I'll, I'll stop. So Lisa, I suppose, in terms of, from your perspective, so you head up the um, the, the challenge that we're talking about today, Innovation Super Network. So yeah, just again, a kind of your relationship with, with David and, and, and kind of, obviously, Sarah, we can, we can ask yourself as well in terms of where, Innovation Super Networks thinking about this issue, where you guys kind of coming from with it? Um, well, Sarah leads on a number of challenges that are based on Challenge North Tyne. So okay. we've been really fortunate to have been um, that there's funding through the North of Tyne Combined Authority um, for two quite big challenges. One to do with ageing and living a happy, healthy life um, as we transition into our latter years. And then this one, decarbonisation of homes. So the ISNR or the Innovation Super Network, we're really pleased to be working with all of these partners um, to support a challenge like this one so we can make really interesting stuff happen in our region. And in particular, this challenge is, as we say, north of Tyne. So that's Newcastle, Northumberland, North Tyneside. And it's a really brilliant opportunity for the ISN or the Innovation Super Network to be working with all these fantastic businesses in our region to put ourselves on the map because the mm. northeast is really good at doing this stuff mm -hmm. we don't often shout about it and our role at the innovation super network is to facilitate those conversations to create that space where the magic happens yeah absolutely and sarah obviously last time you know we, we chatted about mission-led innovation mm -hmm. and this uh, this decarbonization of home seems like a really worthwhile mission for, for you guys to be involved in. So yeah, just talk a little bit about your involvement, I guess. Oh, absolutely. So um, I'm, Innovation, I'm Innovation Super Network's um, Innovation Challenge Program Director. So I lead on a number of um, innovation challenges or innovation missions. Uh, in Challenge North Tyne has recently launched with the two challenges that Lisa described. Lisa is leading on the decarbonising homes or the energy efficient net zero homes mission. Um, and we're really excited to be working with organisations like the Energy Catalyst. Uh, as David mentioned, we've got a real level of skill, of expertise and a passion to do something in this area in the region. It's a really complex and tricky area. We'll touch on some of the uh, enormous challenges that some of the businesses that we've been working with are more than aware of and have been working at for a number of years. And we're trying to support them with that through the, the mission uh, opportunity. Um, but yes, it's, it's a really great time to be involved in this. And we really want to use the support of Challenge North Tyne. It's upfront grant funding for the development of prototypes and solutions and adoption of technologies and solutions. It is an accelerator program that can support you in developing those. But crucially, it's also um, introductions and facilitated working with key partners, the likes of the Energy Catalyst, Northern Gas Networks, Newcastle City Council, um, Future Homes Alliance, um, Constructing Excellence Northeast, to name but a few of the partners that we're working with. And we're really keen as well to work with more partners in the region who are looking at reducing the energy footprint or the carbon footprint of homes and want to support us in that. So we would ask anyone who's listening and is working in that space, please get in touch. Yeah, perfect. No, I think that, that gives us a really good overview in terms of the the challenge and, and uh, the you know the reason that we're here and and, and what we what we want to talk about. I think David, if mm -hmm. if you could just give us a little bit of a flavour in terms of the northeast as a whole, mm -hmm. um, and obviously you guys can feed into this as well. You know how are we how are we doing in, in terms yeah. of energy efficiency, in terms of decarbonisation. You know, we have some sort of sector strengths in, in these different areas. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I guess based on uh, from an energy catalyst perspective, yeah, no. how are we doing? Yeah, um, we're doing well. Um, we're really, really well placed. Um, you know, the core of the catalyst is all about uniting the energy innovation and demonstration assets that we have, particularly honing in on our three key strengths, which are heat, power and transport. Okay. Now, when it comes to heat, it's a really complicated picture. There's a lot in there. There's a lot of different vectors that you can you know, look through the lens at. You can look at heat pumps for domestic properties, and we've been discussing those this morning. Um, you can look at maybe hydrogen for, for domestic heat mm -hmm. um, and, and some of the work that's ongoing there to see the viability of that. Um, and then 
you can look at other other aspects, you know, um, looking at the levels of insulation to protect the heat from leaking and to prevent it yeah. from leaking from your home uh, and lots of different controls and things. When it comes to power, um, obviously we have a huge, huge offshore wind sector here in the northeast. We have the offshore renewables catapult up in Blythe, um, really, you know, world leading test and demonstration facilities for, for offshore wind and a real emerging subsea sector as well, thinking okay. about. Um, robotic um, operated vehicles, remote op- operated vehicles, sorry, or OVs as they're called, um, and what they can do for operations and maintenance of offshore wind as well. And we're seeing a real cluster of businesses coming together um, yeah. to really, really. So there's lots um, of opportunities there lots as well. Opportunities. And then in transport, um, okay. again, lots of opportunities on decarbonisation of our, you know, um, transport networks. Um, you know, the airport, our ports, doing quite a lot. Of, of work in the kind of marine side as well. So we have real strengths. We have real capabilities in our laboratories at the universities. Um, they're really keen. One of the challenges they said to me when I came into post is around how do we get more SMEs to take advantage of the innovation demonstration capabilities that we do have in our laboratories. So I'd like to see more SMEs. I think we can always get more in there. Um, but we're t- certainly trying to be that soft landing to those businesses that are operating within those spaces to really help them navigate what's out there and take advantage, not just of the funding, but to take advantage of the partnerships and that bandwidth that we can give them. So that's my real call to, to businesses. You know, don't just look at the, the readies that might be available in this. Look at the, the, the outcomes that we're able to, to provide you, that bandwidth and, and open up networks and, and yeah. uh, connections for you as well. Yeah, and I think, again, that's, that's why I really started with that collaboration piece because I think, you know, you can get uh, businesses where they might be hesitant to reach out for support and things like that, and it's... It's often the, you know, I don't have the time or this, that and the other, but actually if they do spend that time, the dividends can 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 pay pay, pay back in the long run, can't they? So, yeah, I think, and and just to sort of reframe in terms of that bird's eye view mm-hmm. of, of things further the northeast, um, you know, why is it important, for example, that we need to have energy efficient homes? And Sarah, I don't know if you want to sort of come on to that first. Um, I think I think we can all recognise that we want to have homes that are good for the environment, that are good for our bills, crucially at the moment, and that are built for the long run and built for our lives. So we see that in um, studies that are done of public perception. You know, um, something like 39% of people in the Green Homes report that was published earlier this year say that they are likely to consider a green home because they want it something that is better for the environment. 35% want to reduce their energy bills, and I would imagine that maybe that percentage is increasing month on month. Um, And people want to save money in the long run. I think it's something we all agree with. But I think, um, and Lisa can speak more about this, as challenge lead on the decarbonising homes challenge. Um, We're really in a transition period at the moment. The public may want something, but they don't know what the options are for their Mm. homes. They don't know what's affordable. They don't know if they get a new technology, if there's going to be a repair person who can maintain that for the life of the heat pump, for example, or a new boiler that they get. So that is really kind of a key consideration. And it's it's a very exciting time to be working in this space, but there is a big shift that needs to take place. And we really hope that the Challenge North Tyne Challenge can help to bring together all of the actors in the system that are working in these spaces. We're looking to support at least 25 innovative, small and medium-sized businesses with a foothold in North of Tyne. That can be a registered office, it can be an office space, it can be a um, manufacturing space, or some other um, some other uh, base to develop solutions that might fit around retrofit, making existing yeah. homes more energy efficient. It might be focused on new builds. So how do we develop processes and materials that have a lower carbon footprint and are more energy efficient when the house is built? It could be the energy mix, as um, David's mm-hmm. touched on there, or it could be technology to manage the way that we work in our homes and how we live within our homes in terms of our behaviour as well. So a really broad challenge there and, and one that's a really exciting one to be a part of at this time. Yeah, yeah. And I think, Lisa, you can sort of touch on that um, kind of educational piece almost about, you know, you mentioned that there is this uh, transition that needs to occur between consumers wanting to sort of do the right thing, if you like, and then being aware of the sorts of solutions that are available, the types of support that they, they can get. So is that an important thing that you want businesses engaged with the challenge to help with as well? Not just to be coming up with you know, these really fantastic, uh, you know, boiler systems and things like that, but to also be engaged with how do we sort of win the hearts and minds of, of consumers, if you like, to, you know, 
to, to actually adopt this stuff in their homes because ultimately that's sort of what's going to need to happen, isn't it, if we want to have this energy-efficient uh, sort of property landscape. It's, it's going to have to be people, homeowners and tenants and things who are wanting to do that. Yeah, and I think if we can just backtrack a little bit almost, because come back to that context piece, why mm. are we doing it? Why is it important? And I'm going to lean on David for stats because he's, he's the guy. <laughs> with man. He's the stat man. Um, but actually, if we, if we, if we look at the, the state of play nationally, in fact, globally, we know we've got a climate crisis going on. We know we've got an energy crisis, cost of living crisis. If we think back to COVID, when COVID first happened, we achieved things that we never thought were possible. Look at how quickly we built hospitals. Look at how quickly we put sites together. If it wasn't for COVID creating a crisis, mm. you try and project manage any of those kind of things that happened during that period and they probably would have took years. Sometimes out of adversity, great things happen, I think. And whilst it's really awful, the situation we're in now with the climate, mm-hmm. energy crisis, cost of living crisis, it actually creates one of those changes that makes stuff happen. Mm. It makes consumers aware for the first time, actually, of how much energy are they wasting? How much is it costing them to, to use certain things within their home? Whereas prior to that, people didn't give it a great deal of thought, unless you were really passionate about the climate, Mm. People didn't give it a great deal of thought. Now it's on everybody's mind. The topic of conversation everywhere is do you heat or you eat or or whatever it might be. So whilst that's great, that's awful, and there's a lot of adversity going on, actually this is where that could be the catalyst Mm -hmm. to make something amazing happen. So from a context perspective, I think it's it's creating a dialogue, it's creating a demand where there wasn't before. So whether you're the kind of person that cares most about the climate, whether you're the person that cares most about how much your bills are costing you, whatever your own personal motivation is, actually we're now all talking about it and we're all more interested in doing something about it. So I think we could, there's a real positive Mm. that's coming out with something that feels really awful. That that kind of crisis spurs innovation. Absolutely, absolutely. So that, that's great. That, that's enabling conversations to happen that perhaps wouldn't happen. It's enabling people to create a demand that we wouldn't happen before. But outside of all of that, we've also got the climate crisis and the government have got really tight targets to go to net zero. Some of those targets have been passed on to our social housing providers, which we've got a lot in our region. And then when we think about any all of us as homeowners, everyone who lives in a home, what we do know is that some of the biggest carbon uh, you know, the, the ways that the, the biggest ways that we contribute to, to carbon in this country is through our homes. Mm. I think, I don't know if I've got this right. I feel like it's yeah. 80%. I might have that wrong, David, but so whatever this, whatever, it's a big stat though, isn't it? It's a, it's a, it's a massive proportion of the carbon footprint in this country actually comes from homes, whatever yeah. the percentage is. So, so industrial and commercial are looking about um, 38% and then domestic about 27%. Of all emissions. Of, of all emissions, yeah. So if the so two... About 27% come from domestic properties. Okay, um, okay. And the rest from uh, transport. Transport's uh, a big one, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's a big one as well. But I, I guess whichever way you look at the figures, right, homes are a huge area of uh, opportunity for yeah. decarbonisation. It is. Absolutely. And back to that constant... I was going to say for David, mm-hmm. for you, in, in terms of that stat piece, mm-hmm. when we look at the government targets that have been passed on to social housing providers... They've got to be net zero by... It's EPC band C, I think, by 2028. Wow, so that's yeah. even ahead of... Because one of the other big ones that gets talked about is the petrol and diesel uh, 2030 thing. So mm-hmm. the EPC ratings are actually yeah. even ahead of that. So yeah. by 2025, um, you any new build, you won't be able to put any gas systems in. You can't put fossil fuel uh, wow. into, a, into a, uh, a new build property. So that's causing you know, new supply chain challenges. Um, but I think just going back to what Lisa mentioned, I think we certainly are seeing, you know, with the rising uh, energy prices, consumers that were maybe more passive are becoming far more active. Um, I think mm. there was a, a, a BBC article that went out recently and it said that the biggest selling product in B&Q at the moment is insulation. They can't get enough of it. Um, they can't right. sell enough of it. Um, so th- there's real supply chain challenges on this. And I think... Um, as we're looking to global supply chain challenges around solar, you know, trying to enable people to take advantage of reductions in prices in solar, reductions in prices in, in insulation, but then 
met with this challenge of, yes, I want to do something about it, but actually I can't. I can't find a solar PV installer. I can't find, you know, an insulation installer. I can't actually find the product being cute to mm. do it myself. You know, we need more manufacturing capability to take advantage of this. Uh, we need more um, skills base as yeah. well. So to, there's kind to, of like, uh, what's really interesting about what you're saying there, David, is that there seems to be some kind of unmet demand, right? Yes. For these solutions which is uh, probably why you're doing the challenge, right? Yeah. It's probably why you've launched the challenge because recognizing not only is this the right thing to do for the environment and for people's uh, electricity and gas bills, but also recognizing that, you know, because of those things, people need solutions that currently aren't available. Yeah, yeah, okay. absolutely. I think there's a, a real thing around, um, you know, people want kind of energy efficient homes, as I mentioned before, um, and we're not naive. Some of the great partners we've been working with have been helping to contextualise the challenge for ourselves and each other and, and the businesses we've been working with, talking about some of the key challenges that we're looking at if we're going to develop solutions for this problem. Things like um, developing lower carbon materials. How do you kind of make sure that they are resilient and robust if they're different than what's been used previously. As Dave was touching on there, mm. how do you source them? How mm. do you supply them? If mm. everyone wants insulation, then where do you get it from? Um, how can we adopt more circular methods so we're reusing materials that have been used previously? If we're looking to you know, a building, how can we use some of the materials that are within that building or retrofit rather than rebuild from new? Um, also things around technology. How do we manage our buildings effectively? How do we do it in a cost-effective way? Smart homes are very exciting, but you know what are the technologies that are affordable to the mainstream that can actually make a difference? Um, the confidence of the businesses we work with as well. And we've been really excited to see some of the really interesting ideas and solutions that are coming forward from the businesses that we've been um, starting to talk with. Um, but businesses they're really keen to innovate they really want to do something in, in this space and they're really passionate but they're uncertain about government commitment um they are realistic about you know the available resources they have um the incentives that have been put in place to drive some of these changes maybe haven't been very useful to them and haven't enabled them to make the investments they want to make or develop the solutions they want to develop and finally the key one that kind of ties in with that resources skills mm. um there's a big skills gap anyone we speak to any of the growing industries, I think, around these kind of priority challenges that we're looking at in multiple areas, but particularly the green skills, we just don't have them currently. We don't have anywhere mm. near. And David, mm. we said David, the stat man, mm. he was sharing some really great um, insights at our launch event recently around the number of homes per day, per week that you would need to make kind of energy efficient uh, in order to meet the demand of, of, of uh, net zero. But we just don't have the people currently. And that means that there's a real opportunity for more and better jobs in the region. But you don't get a skilled individual just like that. Mm. There'll be an element of attracting older people back in the workforce who might have retired, but they actually, you know, they, they still maybe need a wage or they would still benefit from a wage and they still want to use their skills. It's about making sure that young people who maybe don't understand this career space because no one in their family works in this space and mm. they obviously don't understand what the jobs of the future are going to be because we're just figuring that out at the moment. Um, what are the opportunities to get some of those mm, ambitious young skills. people from the Northeast involved in that? So mm. big challenges, but I think also, as we've mentioned, the, the thing that we want to look at is there's lots of businesses and lots of bigger partner organizations that we're building collaborations with that are looking at how we work around these. We can't solve any of them overnight, but there are real opportunities for small businesses to get involved with this challenge at this moment, to be part of this transition period and to be the forefront of efforts to take those solutions forward that none of them are gonna solve this issue on its own, but a together. big group of businesses together, each working on a part of the supply chain, a part of the puzzle could really deliver some of the things that we're talking about. Okay, okay. And yeah, David, do you wanna pick yeah, up on that just skills on, just point? On the, I think the skills point is a really pertinent one, uh, the forefront of everyone's minds at the moment. Um, and I think in the Northeast, you've got three sectors which are competing almost mm. against each other for the skills across heat, right, power okay. and transport. So we've, as a LEP, the, the Northeast LEP, the skills team have been going, and myself, um, it's not part of my day job, but I'm quite passionate about, you know, ensuring that we go into schools, give them the, the right messages, really help them imagine what careers are like, um, what the opportunity and the scale of the opportunity is across heat, power, transport. 
um, really try and, you know, narrate to them via storytelling about what the low carbon transition is and what it means. And I think now is a good time to do that because it is part of the, the dining table conversation with mm-hmm. the parents every night. Um, and there's a real kind of, you know, th- there's a lot of green warriors out there in our schools and at different Absolutely. age groups that are looking to engage with it. But there's also um, a subset of people who've maybe been burnt by COVID and, and the pandemic, maybe those in retail and leisure who lost their jobs and, you know, don't want to find themselves in that position again. So we're looking to more future-proof sectors yeah, and industries, sectors and more resilient ones. Absolutely. So I think there's, um, we, we've, we have done some research. Um, we did a bit of a deep dive um, thanks to funding from the Northeast and Yorkshire Energy Hub. Um, they funded us to do a, um, a skills gap analysis for domestic retrofit. So looking at what skills do we need in order to hit 2050 targets right. and how we might plug those gaps and certainly going to schools, talking to sectors that are retracting, but also talking to armed forces that may be retiring early. Um, yeah. Policemen, women who retire early, get bored after a couple of years and then maybe look for another job to get back in because they have the skills um, mm-hmm. to go into people's homes and to work at heights and things like that. So we just need to think a little bit more creatively. Um, and I should say, finally, that on the skills piece, we have leveraged two point four million pounds uh, for to develop uh, green skills boot camps okay. from Department for Education. So taking that evidence from from the study, putting that to DFE to really inform an application that we put in, and from that we've developed green skills boot camps across um, construction, electrification, uh, and heat. Okay. So real good kind of success. Yeah, because uh, like uh, another piece of that skills puzzle is kind of like adapting the roles that people do currently to have more of an environmental or sustainable focus so you know there's this talk of like the accountancy profession for example they're going to be become more involved in addressing the carbon footprint or mm-hmm. calculating the carbon footprint of a business yeah. and so you can say to a, a heat engineer who mm-hmm. fits gas boilers regularly right well have you ever thought about uh these um sort of low carbon heat pumps and things like yeah. that and for them that's an opportunity to do something different and yeah. potentially more lucrative for them individually. So is that a key piece of the skills puzzle as well to say it's not just new skills, but it's um, adapting people's roles to, to add on these skills? I think businesses um, of certain sizes have had to adapt by, you know, if they're applying for a tender or if they're trying to win a government contract, there's a lot more questions you'll see now on those tender specifications around, mm. well, how, how is your company sustainable? Where do you source your products? Like Sarah mentioned about the supply chain, the circular economy. There's a lot more demand now on businesses to really, you know, be transparent about their supply chains, how they source their products and materials. So the accountants within the business have had to go maybe on training courses um, or, or certain other members of staff have had to lean into that. And I think that's something hopefully we could we could help and direct them with. You know, we've seen businesses um, that we've helped. We won't mention names, um, but really there's a real demand for that, for carbon calculating um, yeah. and to, to assess that simply because if they don't, if they fall behind in that, we lose contracts uh, outside the region to other companies that have had their pencil sharpened in yeah. that direction. So really, really important that we, we do lean into that as well and support people um, yeah. through the Innovation Super Network. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you, it, it's one of those where you, you can't afford not to be grappling with some of these issues, right? And I suppose, uh, Lisa, from, from your perspective, coming back to the energy-efficient homes piece, you know, where where... Do you think the greatest opportunities are for businesses in this in this space to kind of help and support and 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 sort of develop new thinking and things like that? Where do you think those um, opportunities are? And and you know, I think it, it again comes into where where the the gaps are in terms of skills and and finance and things like that. But yeah, where where are those sort of biggest opportunities for you? Well, you might think that this is a, a narrow opportunity window actually but it's not because it's really it's much broader than people first realize I think so we were talking before about government targets for social housing providers to get to net zero and as Sarah alluded to we're miles behind how many David I think do we need should we be fitting per day 20,000 20,000 homes per week we should be doing and how many on average are we doing oh we're way off um, I don't. Know, I haven't got the stat in front of me. So, yeah. re- so retrofit, retrofit twenty thousand homes per week is what we're supposed to be 
doing. Yeah, and yeah. David, Mr. Statman, is fantastic at this stuff, <laughs> and he, he's always going. But you know, actually, no, no, this is what we should be. Yeah, <laughs> this is what we should be doing, and 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 you know, this is this is a picture up and down the country. By the way, this is not a mm. regional thing. Mm. We are we are because of all the things Sarah and David have been talking to. We are miles behind. Mm. What we know is that the biggest amount of where we can save the most amount of um, you know reduce our carbon from footprint is in the homes we currently have so when you say where are the opportunities there are some what we call pre-construction opportunities as david mentioned mm-hmm. from a certain date gas and fossil fuels can't be used in buildings um new builds sarah's mentioned there's some really interesting stuff happening in low carbon materials that can be used in the construction but there's some really interesting stuff happening about um how we construct off-site as well, and that how we can create homes made out of different materials, how the processes we use in construction can be done differently to reduce our carbon footprint. So there's loads of scope there. Mm. Then we do at the at construction phase, and there's loads of stuff, loads of opportunities there. If we've talked about in skills, in um, how do we transport carbon, you know, what, what kind of materials are we using? What's the embodied carbon? So that's the, you know, the, the carbon footprint. What did it take to, how much carbon has it took to make the materials? Right. So there's loads yeah. of opportunities there. And then the massive opportunities, this word that we keep using called retrofit. Mm. So these are, this is what can we do with our existing homes to make them more energy efficient so we're not wasting heat or electricity. What can we do to make our, to adva- give us more advice. So we've got more control, more information um, to smart enable us. Yes, yeah, smart like systems to enable us to know how much energy are we losing? How much energy can we be saving? Then there's a massive behavioral change. Um, mm-hmm. How many of us fill our kettle up halfway when we're actually <laughs> only making one cup of coffee, for example? There is, the scope here is actually mm-hmm. massive, right the way through from pre-construction to what we call retrofit and behavior change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we've touched upon it already, but there is a massive consumer piece. All of us sitting around the table today live in a home. Um, do we know everything that we can do? Do we know what's mm-hmm. available? Do we know what funding's available? Mm-hmm. Do we know where to buy things from? Do we know? There's so much consumers don't know. So there's a lot of opportunity actually in that advice and support sector, yeah. mm-hmm. given agnostic advice and support so people can actually, you know, understand what impact they can make on their bills or their carbon footprint and then where do they go yeah. to get that? I think we all probably know a little bit more about that stuff than we did 12 months ago, right? And it's exactly that crisis spurs innovation yeah. piece, isn't it? You know, we're, we're more we're more aware of this now. Yeah, but as an example, so recently I got approved to get solar panels fitted on my roof. Fantastic. And to be honest, that's through working on this challenge. Probably wouldn't even have thought of it, being perfectly honest. So that awareness piece is actually really important. It drives behaviour change. It's really practically, that's a really practical example, right, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, how you spend that time learning about something and then suddenly say, well, actually, that could really work for me. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But there's a big but. So I've been going through all the technical surveys and everything we found out last week. I can't have them because there's not enough roof space because the way we manufacture solar panels at the moment, for example, they have to be a certain size. And if you haven't got enough roof space, then you can't have them. So there are still opportunities in mm-hmm. technologies. It's not, yeah. you know, there are, there are still... If we, if we think... How many people out there don't have enough roof space to have solar panels? Mm-hmm. But renewable energy, you know, it solves so many problems, mm-hmm. but there are still technical difficulties. Mm. So the scope of this challenge is broad. There are lots of opportunities from materials to processes to advice to support um, to skills. Absolutely tons. Okay. loads. Okay. And uh, something that I want to touch on as well is is kind of that, buy-in that we maybe need from the construction industry and and is is that are those kinds of conversations ones that you haven't we know that you know the the uh, construction industry is making great strides in terms of technology and things mm-hmm. like that so is that an important piece of the puzzle as, as well sarah i don't know if you want to yeah come it's, on it's that. a really important piece of the puzzle and i think um I would say the construction industry in some regards has a reputation for being a little bit risk averse. We know that the construction industry in many contracts, particularly for smaller providers, the types of businesses we're looking to support through this challenge are often very cost driven. There Mm -hmm. isn't really the money there within the contract for them to be able to afford to do things differently. And that's one of the things that we want to offer through the Challenge North Tyne offering. Um, Just to kind of revisit it, it's £5,000 paid upfront. You don't need to 
uh, provide any match for you to prototype a solution. Now that can be a new to market solution. So it could be like Lisa's saying, a new type of solar panel or a new structure of solar panel that can fit on different structures. But it could also be, we do have the capacity to support new to business solutions as well. So it's not just coming up with something that no one's ever seen before. It could be, you know, a very quite traditional, maybe quite established firm. Um, looking and thinking, we've never been able to make the retrofitting offering work. We've it, There's mm. been a lot of uncertainty there. We're going to apply for this challenge and we're going to figure out how we offer retrofitting or maybe lower carbon materials as a offering that we give. Right. Because that's a really big part of the puzzle as well. It's not just, you know, really highly technology driven. It's about changing the way that businesses operate and having more of those suppliers in the region who can deliver greener offerings like retrofitting services, like processes or uh, using materials that are maybe lower carbon because they've got experience in that. That funding can be paid for, can cover staff time. So it's not right, just, it's it, okay. so it, yeah. it, mm. oh, you know, it can't be commercial rates is what you, ch- what you charge if you are sending one of your lads or lasses out to a, a client, mm. but you can pay their wage to deliver or to test something out. So you could, could you use the funding in a sense to kind of give yourself that, that time and that, and that space to figure out how you're going to, how you, so if you're an established construction industry uh, company or something like that, you are involved you're in people's homes all the time but you know you're driven by margin and things like mm-hmm. that so you don't have time to look at the most energy efficiency solutions but you want to so you can sort of take the support through the program to help you get a little bit more time to you know is, is there a process that we could look at differently so we could spend a little bit more on materials for example without harming our mm. our margin is that is that is that something that they could potentially look at what we need to see from any of the solutions is they're sustainable so it's not just about investing that money on more expensive materials once it's about them exploring how they can change things for the future they'll be better for their business and mean they can make different offerings to their clients in the future so what we'd want to see is they use that money to test out a new way of working mm. we often use the phrase de-risk innovation's really risky you're just probably busy enough just doing business as usual. That probably feels overwhelming a good chunk of days. This is about giving you the funding to submit, to make it more achievable, giving you the introductions and introducing you to to, um, collaborators, potential clients who might want to work with you if you can prove what you're doing has an impact. And also we've got a... um, uh, accelerator program as well that runs for the first half of next year for any businesses that get that funding they're will they're will they're welcome to work on that to enter that accelerator program and get some support to figure out what's the best way of spending it and developing the solution that they've proposed okay. so it couldn't be for example we're just going to invest in something for this one-off mm-hmm. project but if that this project could be something that really drives change in that business that will make them more sustainable in the future that would be something that they could apply for yeah i mean one of the edges to come in on that so you know absolutely test demonstration is 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 at the core of the catalyst and one of the um, projects the catalyst is as at northeast leps recently funded is the customer energy village um the integral customer energy village now what we're doing there is we're actually building a replicate a replicate of um the uk housing stock um, so on a test facility out at Low Thornley and near Winlayton and Gateshead, we're actually building, you know, uh, two terrace properties from the 1900s and 1930s uh, bungalow, a 1950s semi-detached property. Like fulls, full yeah. size, A little right. village. So okay. if you imagine, imagine going into Beamish. Um, right, it's, okay. it's like a, a custom energy village, we're calling it, um, and including flats as well from the 70s and 80s. So... Um, we're building this in order to enable businesses to then come in and test and demonstrate their capabilities. So it's currently okay. been built. We put 1.86 million into this. Um, um, Northern Gas Networks are the lead on it, but we will be putting, you know, hydrogen these homes, heat pumps onto these homes, um, various insulation, you know, retrofit techniques. And all of these properties will be highly censored as well. So they'll have loads of digital technologies uh, aligned to them. Um, monitoring temperature, humidity, um, air flows, you name it. So okay. a real, real test and demonstration. We're working with Newcastle University on that, Northumbrian Water involved. So just thinking about, you know, it, it, it will be built by end of January. So if that fits in with the timing. Um, it fits in very well, excellent. It fits in very well, that's <laughs> good. Um, we'll, we'll be looking to go live with that in the, in the spring next year. So, you know, it, 
it could be a really good area for you to get in and test some of your technologies. Yeah. Um, yeah. So again, because, it's that network and that yeah. asset. Be- and so did you say that you were building them in terms of the same kind of spec that you would yes. have of like an early 20th century as house? As close as we can get right. to it, obviously. Um, we can't use some of the building materials that were maybe used back in the day, yeah. um, nor would we no want to. Paint. <laughs> no lead <laughs> No. Um, no asbestos, for example. Yeah, that's probably but, a good thing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but um, yeah, getting as close as we can thermally to to, um, to the thermal U values, um, to look at used. the kind of you know fabric mm. first techniques, um, heating controls, um, new heating systems, um, you know, heating outlet devices and things like that so it's a really exciting asset to have in the region i think it will be of national importance um but also outside of that we could also link you to some of the social housing providers who aren't so far away from where we're sat right now Mm -hmm. Mm. and they are really open and willing to work with us as being maybe a living lab um so using some of the the social uh, tenants um, to 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 maybe Try you some know, of these solutions try some out. Of the solutions, yeah. See how they live with them and give some real honest and um, pragmatic feedback. Yeah. And, so, and they have a huge incentive, right? The social housing providers, because they're looking at this 2028 target and thinking we need to, uh, we need to grasp the nettle if you like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. And I think it's, it's David mentioned, you know, with, with the challenge North Tyne challenge that is live now, um, there are a huge number of collaborators that we're working with. I've mentioned some of them already, but the uh, customer manager village uh, led by Northern Gas Networks is one of them. But there are lots of other partners working with. And if you are a small or medium-sized business that operates north of Tyne, I would say get in touch because we can help to link you to, you've got an idea or you want to demonstrate that something can work in a certain context. We can't promise the world, but we will do our best to connect you to a wide range of you know, art, artificial or synthetic, mm. as, as to mm. kind of use that term, the kind of the setup energy village type test beds or ones that are kind of, you know, in real homes that are, you know, that obviously with the, the safety and the um, consent of the residents, but there are lots of opportunities for you to demonstrate your solution can do what you propose and get it closer to market and make it something that, you know, people do want to buy at the end of this mm. process if it's not there already. Yeah. I mean, it sounds, Lisa, like it's, 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 you're quite open-minded in in terms of the sort of range of uh, applications that that you want to sort of consider. So yeah, can you talk a little bit more about kind of eligibility and things like that? And and is it the case that you are pretty open in terms of the businesses that you want to work with? Well, we're absolutely open. There there are some fixed criteria. Okay. They're not compared to other challenges. Actually, they're very very limited. So you've got to have um, one of your you know you have to be able to operate out of North Tyneside. You have to north of Tyne. F- sorry, north of Tyne. I'm, yeah, of course. So that's as I mentioned before, Newcastle, North Tyneside, and Northumberland. Okay. Um, you have to fit the government's um, definition of a small and medium enterprise. Most people know that terminology now. Um, and then we are looking for some commitment. So we we would with, with yes, because actually it's an interesting point. You know, you mentioned before, Sarah, about the, the accelerator program mm-hmm. and the five thousand pound funding. And we, we often ask 5,000, that is not a lot of money hmm. in this kind of space if mm-hmm. we're talking technologies. Right. Yeah. But to be honest, for a lot of people, as Sarah says, the value is in the program. Hmm. 5,000 pounds might not be a lot of money, but it, it might get you some consultancy, some viability testing. It might, you might do a number of different things. But actually the benefit, the val- the real value is exactly as Sarah described it, working with these partners, getting access to these big organisations or these potential consumers that you might not have got before. And then on the accelerator programme that Sarah mentioned, you know, you get you can get up to 12 hours of support from um, experts within the Innovation Super Network to help really flesh out your idea, look at the commercials, look at the financials, what additional funding might you need to be able to progress it. So there's loads of support. Mm-hmm. It's not just the £5,000. Yeah, and we do have a pot of money as well. The, we look, Like I said, we're looking to support around 25 businesses on this particular challenge. So we want to provide the opportunity for those businesses to collaborate as well, mm. where valuable, but also for the businesses that demonstrate the biggest impact that really kind of show that this is something that it meets the challenge. It helps us to decarbonise our homes. It has a real opportunity to be scaled up and as we can see early demand for it. And there's further follow-on funding at the end of that programme for those businesses that have really demonstrated that they can do what they say. 
Mm. Okay. Yeah. It's, I'll just add to that as well. I think it's really pertinent points that Lisa and Sarah have made there. But for me, when I designed the, the Energy Innovation Challenge program and, and ran that for two years, it was the unexpected outcomes mm-hmm. that the businesses came back to me and said, wow, do you realize because of this challenge program, I'm now working and collaborating with this company. Right. And we had no idea that organization was out there or even existed on our doorstep and um, mm-hmm. thank you for connecting me you know so we see that so i'd say to companies really you know you know think think you know beyond the the money think about the connections we can make think about the unexpected outcomes i guarantee you'll get something out of the program um mm-hmm. you know perhaps you didn't expect and, and that's what makes it quite exciting actually in many ways and we do see a lot of pitches as well we see a lot of products um we've witnessed a lot of pitches to investors We've had some insights into product development, what works and what doesn't, and yeah. what trip points to avoid on that mm-hmm. TRL level um, yeah. journey. So I think there's uh, insights that we can share maybe behind closed doors and just give some honest, pragmatic feedback to, to product development. And I think that's invaluable as well as part of this program. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just building on that, back to the eligibility question, compared to a lot of challenges, it's very, you know, the, those those couple of criteria, SME being the north of Tyne region, is the main criteria, but there is a commitment element that you get involved in the programme. Mm. Um, and then obviously there's part of this reporting that we have to do, because ultimately this is, you know, this this is a, a funded programme that we have to be able to report back on. So from our perspective, the, the purpose of this project is not just to be able to solve this really important issue, but it's also to grow our region. It's to see whether or not we can help businesses grow. Can they scale to help these businesses perhaps through going on a, a, a program such as this one? Will they take on better jobs or you know additional staff or staff now have got additional training and therefore they're able to be paid more? So this is a real win-win opportunity for everybody, for our region, for our homeowners, for our businesses. And you mentioned before, you know, about let's say a, a gas fitter who is really busy doing all these gas the, the <laughs> traditional gas fitting mm. things you, mm. you can see i'm very boilers. yeah boilers, <laughs> I, I know all the jargon um but actually this is a real opportunity for really small perhaps even sole traders to go mm. i can pivot here mm. you know this i could potentially what well, i could mm. potentially move into this area and that's what sarah mm. was talking about before Yes, we're really looking for opportunities that might be really interesting and innovative and new to new to what we call new to market. But actually, this new to firm, new to business opportunity mm-hmm. is also a really interesting one because this this five thousand pound might not seem like a lot of money, but it might enable somebody to be able to pivot into this space and really make a difference. Mm-hmm. We've heard that there's a massive skills issue. Of course, we so that there's there's the demand for green skills. We've also gotten back to point about construction space earlier. It's a bit of a paradox, really, mm. because they are so busy doing what they're already doing that kind of there's not a great incentive mm-hmm. for them to go, actually, let's stop doing that and let's do it this way. So some of these smaller SMEs have can take this money and begin to pivot into this space, and that benefits us all. It benefits them, it benefits our homes, benefits our region. We're seeing some real beacons of light, though, in construction. Like we've got an excellent partnership, which is the Constructional Excellence Northeast. Just again, mm-hmm. them a big shout by uh, yeah, led by Katrina Lingwood. They're involved really with this challenge they are, as yeah. well, right? Okay, Kate Lloyd and, and Katrina Lingwood been really supportive of us in our mm-hmm. journey, and they're doing some really, you know, class leading um, engagement with the sector. You know, really setting challenges to really, you know, shake up the sector and wake up the sector as well to, to the to the agenda. Um, and and they're, they're a real success story, I think, in the region of trying to coordinate a kind of a regional voice in the construction sector mm-hmm. and doing mm-hmm. a really fantastic job on that. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And uh, they're one of a number of partners that we're working with and, and big shout out to them for helping to build context of the uh, the challenge. I've gone, you know, I've, I've tried to do justice to the the insight that some of our great partners have shared with us over recent months in uh, in defining where the opportunities for, that we can help direct smaller businesses to are. Um, and I think that, you know, from 
the partners that were starting to build these collaborations, we do have a number of doors we can open. I think as both Lisa mm. and David were saying mm. there, um, some of the biggest success stories we've seen in past challenges are for very small businesses. Mm. They might have a degree of technical expertise or they might have a good degree of passion, but getting involved in something like this can open a door to an organization that you wouldn't, you know, you might have been knocking on the door for ages or you might have not even considered that they would be a potential collaborator. Yeah. But these are some of the real, you know, introductions and opportunities that challenges have opened to businesses in the region that have totally transformed the yeah. way that they work. And, and it could be, you know, you're a, a, a sole trade or very small business looking to do that. You could be, you know, over 200 staff, but you recognize that you want to do something differently and you've got a real commitment to explore a certain area. And if it works, scale it up. And we want to hear from businesses across the region that uh, across the kind of the, the size spectrum that, feel like they can respond to this challenge um, that care about making more energy efficient homes and uh, want to get involved in the collaborations that we're trying to enable. Yeah, I think that's one of the key sort of beauties of this challenge is it, it, it is a shared challenge, whether you're mm -hmm. a sort of very large construction company or a sole trader, right? Mm. You, you're all involved in the delivery of, of homes mm -hmm. for people. That's that's the essence of, of what you're doing, right? So could do you often find that as a result of these types of programs, people find like customers as well. Do you know oh, what I mean? I because if 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 a large uh, construction company is really struggling to deal with what this issue is to get to get it to market or whatever, and then a, a smaller outfit comes in and says, "Well, we've actually done a lot of the thinking on this as well. Mm -hmm. Why don't Why don't we sort of work together, or or, yeah, or, yeah. or potentially you could end up." buying this solution from us. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's a big part of this, that, you know, we're all trying to move in this one direction towards net zero for a while out of necessity um, more than anything. And I think the the chance to kind of introduce those very fleet of foot organizations that might, it might be they've got a great deal of technical expertise. They might have a really good understanding of the situation on the ground and what the individuals need or what communities need or something about the problem. They can very quickly respond, test things out and partnerships between smaller businesses like that with larger firms that maybe, you know, they're, they're more structured, they're more kind of, uh, they don't have that insight to the problem. They don't have that quickness of mm. response. It can be easier for them to partner rather than for the bigger yeah. firm to develop the and idea on their own. finance and the resources and things mm -hmm. that the small firm might not have, right? So it's mm -hmm. like a perfect. Absolutely. And a lot of our partners that work in this space, they need solutions that they are not it's not about kind of, we want to learn about this, we might develop it themselves. A lot of the partners are working with, you know, they don't want to, but they, it's not their remit to develop these technologies or some of the things that we're talking mm -hmm. about. They want to meet innovative partners, innovative smaller businesses that really have something that can address their needs. And this challenge program enables us to say, these are the shared priorities. If you're a business that can respond to that, get in touch. And I think that, you know, the, the £5,000 is really about that de-risking. We mm. are very conscious of the demands on small businesses, mm. um, particularly with cost of living. It's affecting us all. It's mm. affecting our clients. It's affecting the amount of disposable income people mm. have. And we need to be really careful about where we dedicate our attention as businesses as well as individuals. And what we we recognise that we don't have kind of like, you know, um, a we can't, magically open doors to, for, for great businesses. Um, but we can provide some of these introductions. We can't guarantee that you're going to grow off the back of, you know, an introduction on the back of this program. Mm. But our guiding goal is that if you get involved, you'll get more out of it than you put in. That could be a few hours to speak to us, to come to an event, to learn what it's about. Yeah. And you decide it's not for you at this stage, but you do want to you will, as a result of that, learn about the issue. You'll learn about the market. You'll think you'll make some connections you didn't have. Or it might be you go as far as putting in an application, being successful, getting on the program, getting the funding, testing it out, meeting partners. Now, that might mean that your solution doesn't quite work as planned. There's some unanticipated difficulties and it's not quite market ready at the end. But you've done that more quickly. You've had that yeah. de-risk through the funding and you've had a chance to work with a load of partners that hopefully you'll have a working relationship, maybe a client relationship with in the future. Yeah. Or it could be the opportunity that really revolutionises your business. And you've, you've learned a lot, haven't you, really, yeah. I think, as a result of that. 
I think I think you know some businesses, even with the challenge program that I led, um, said to me, "Oh, yeah, it's not quite the right fit." But I still had a meeting with them, met them for a coffee, for a face to face when we were available to get off Teams, um, yeah. and they f- they found value in that. Oh, thank you, David. Oh, that was really insightful um, about you know, the networks that are out there I didn't know about. So. I think it's just having that, you know, we will make time for you as well. Um, yeah. And even if the program isn't quite right for you or the right fit, we'll certainly make time for you, you know, no matter what the case is. So do engage with the program. We are seeing a lot of businesses looking to pivot into heat power mm-hmm. transport sectors. Um, they see that there's a lot of noise around those sectors, yeah. you know, and, and kind of for, I've certainly seen that in the digital space, really mm-hmm. good cohort of digital businesses in the Northeast and really seeing that through the other challenges that, there has been a real desire to, to understand what, what's going on and how their yeah. business could pivot and get into the sector. So just being that sounding board for you, um, you know, do, do get in touch with us and, we're, you know, we're here with open arms to, to assist yeah. you at this really uncertain time. And we get it. We really do get it. It is a very uncertain time for everybody. Yeah. yeah. And, you, and you notice on the back of that, there are some other much larger national funding opportunities as well outside of us mm-hmm. coming through programs such as this one enables you to get into a really great place for, for then perhaps to apply for something on a national scale so mm-hmm. it, it it's all about using what's available not just the money using the expertise within the networks the connections to be able to get whatever your idea is in a really great place to either a commercialize and take to market grow up and you know grow up in scale or B, potentially mm-hmm. get you in a really great place to apply for a massive, you know, mm. much larger pot of yeah. funding. Yeah. Because they're in this space, there is a lot of money out there. There's a lot of demand, there's a lot of money. It's a great, t- it, like I said, what I said earlier, it's a, what's happening is awful, but actually out of this adversity, mm. some, there are some fantastic opportunities mm-hmm. for businesses in our region. And we can help them get into a great shape yeah. for whatever the next stage yeah. in their journey is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think. It's, the government can't exactly have all of these targets, right, and not make the funding available to help the businesses mm-hmm. adapt. Mm-hmm. So if they come through Challenge North Tyne, for example, you know, maybe Innovate UK opens up or something else, and they've already been through a kind of application process. And then when they are applying for the sources of funding as well, they're going to be in a better place to do so. Yeah, and interestingly, so Sarah mentioned earlier, we had our launch event on the 20th, 20th. of October, wasn't it? We're all read just from people that were sitting around the table who didn't know each other, but that were mm. sat around the same table at mm. that event. We're already having conversations about putting consortiums together for bigger bids. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's just happened organically. That's what happens when you create the right environment, the right space, you ask the right questions, you get the right people in the room, and that's where magic wow. happens. So mm-hmm. there are massive opportunities to come out of this, whether it's the, to, to be part of our programme or to be part of something bigger. But Sarah, those conversations are already happening, aren't they? Oh, absolutely. It's, it is, there's so much opportunity for working together in this space. And as Lisa was underlining there, you know, the, the people supporting this and the, the reason we're really excited about it is that, you know, a lot of our team are in business. We understand the realities of it. And it's not just about this being a programme, then it ends and then you're on your own. We're yeah. constantly looking for and building partnerships with um, the organisations that can open the doors to massive pots of funding or much bigger pots of funding next year, you can use this opportunity through the um, getting the prototype funding, going through the accelerator and rapidly developing your idea to be in a position um, in 2023 to be bidding for massive um, funding pots or opening the doors to bigger clients that could be really transformational for your business if you can demonstrate that you that you can do what you say you can do with your proposed yeah, idea. Yeah, which they'll be able to be a lot more certain of that if they come through this this type of programme. Yeah, because we'll help them with that. You know, yeah. they might they might not know that right now, but this programme can op- operate like a gateway for them to, mm. to be challenged mm-hmm. and to, to test out their thinking, not just, you know, their, their solution, but to test their business model, to test their plans, their forecasts, there are so many ways in which we could support businesses to be in a really strong place to grow. Okay, okay. Well, I think that's a, a good place to kind of wrap up in terms of talking about the programme. But, you know, I did want to ask that kind of blue sky thinking question <laughs> of, to end on. So, David, maybe you first in, in terms of thinking about, you know, climate change mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, the energy situation that we've got and all of those challenges that we face sort of uh, nationally globally and also as as, as as the northeast you know if if you had the power to make a change what would you 
what would you change or what, what is something that you would that you would do differently I'd certainly give more certainty to government policy because particularly in that I've seen the the, the kind of um, the impact that lack of certainty has given to you know insulating our domestic homes our domestic properties mm. the policies in the past have been really stop start and it's it's meant boom and bust kind of culture in the se- in the sector so I'd, I'd start with policy it's a little bit outside of my control it's not like I can do with it but it has been a, a sense of frustration um I think there's like I say huge opportunities particularly in, in offshore wind I'm seeing really you know encouraging signs there in our subsea mm. you know I personally know people who've just entered that sector and are, and are really thriving from it um so there's huge opportunities there I think EVs, electric vehicles, the supply chains associated with those. Um, we hopefully will see the British Fault plant built, fingers crossed. Um, or a, I think a plant will be built on that site, whether it's British Fault or not, will remains to be seen. Um, there's huge, huge potential there. Um, I'd like to see more reskilling, um, more yeah. engagement with the younger people to get in there. So it, there's, there's no there's answer. No single there's answer. no single answer. Okay. I, I wish I had it, um, but. Yeah, those are some of the things that you would do. Yeah, Yeah. and Sarah, I guess from from your perspective, what would what would you change if you had the power? (laughs) I think the. I mean, it's it's really exciting being involved in this particular challenge at the moment because, um, and what Lisa and I talk about a lot, and I'm sure she'll kind of reiterate this, is that you know for us it's less about kind of focusing on blue sky thinking and silver bullets, Mm -hmm. and it's more around what can we do rather than, you know, what can we do now with the resource we have? And it might not be perfect and it might not achieve every grand ambition that we have just yet, but advancing towards that goal Mm. is really important. And it's been really heartening to work with some of the partners um, that we've been building uh, through this challenge to to really focus on that, what can we do together? Um, And I think kind of like, I suppose the the final thing really, so I suppose it would be that, that mindset shift. And I would like, I suppose, in the public sphere and maybe kind of in media and communications that we actually understand the scale of the problem we're dealing with. You know, this is a long term, this is something that's been coming for a while and we're only starting to now to fully understand the the depth of the climate crisis. But yeah, I don't really feel like um, all of our media is really giving that message across really kind of clearly. Mm. So I would like that to be clearer and it would really help then, I think, clarify everyone's mind that this is something we need to work on together yeah. and be looking for those opportunities to do something tangible right now. Make it a real priority. And then Lisa, yeah, in terms of for you, is, it's that, is it that mindset piece as well, would you say? Yeah, I think to build on both what David and Sarah have said, um, I guess a lot of my expertise is actually in resilience and uncertainty. Because if we think about innovation, uncertainty in times that there's all we're always going to be faced with challenges. There's always something, isn't there? You know, we've got we've got the energy crisis, the cost of living crisis at the moment. So, building on what Sarah said about mindset and the point that David made about actually there's so much uncertainty out there. The mindset piece for me is to get people to go rather than going, oh my goodness, you know, there's so much uncertainty. Therefore, I'm going to sit back and wait. It's to actually embrace uncertainty as an opportunity to kind mm. of go, okay, so what can we do? This is a, this is an and question, <laughs> not an either or. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not a but, it's an and. It's even though all this stuff is going on and we haven't got the policy and we haven't got the legislation and all of that stuff's going on, so what can we do? It's building on kind of Sarah's point. But to, the mindset bit for me is to kind of go, you know, this uncertainty bit is interesting. It's when there is big uncertainty, that's where we're at, as human beings, where we're at our most creative. And if we just use in COVID as an example, look what we achieved. Yes, some absolutely awful things happened. Of course they did. But look at all the amazing things that happened that would never have happened if we Mm. weren't in a period of such turmoil, Mm. complexity, uncertainty, volatility, great things happened. So for me, yes, the mindset the mindset change but to embrace the uncertainty and go what can we do with it rather than exactly as Sarah says rather than oh let's wait because you know there's too many big things if you wait for that innovation never happens okay okay well said Lisa no I think that's a I think that's a good place to to wrap things up I I guess uh, in terms of just really practically where's the best place for people to go to uh, to apply or to find out more about 
the energy efficient homes challenge? Um, you can go to challengenortheast.co.uk. That is our challenge hub. Okay. And the um, energy efficient net zero homes challenge, as well as our aging challenge, are live on there at the moment. If you click on the page, put your details in, and a member of our team will be in touch to talk about the support we can provide and whether or not you might want to put in an application and what that could involve um, very soon. Perfect, perfect. I'm sure they will. It might be worth saying the closing date for the applications is... The 24th of November, so you have to okay. register your interest to apply before that date to be eligible. Okay, but then there's a bit of a longer horizon after that expression of interest to... There, is, there isn't too long a one, so we, would, in, we yeah. would encourage businesses to apply as soon as possible, but get your details in. We'll have a chat with you to make sure that the idea fits, and if so, keep your fingers crossed and hopefully we'll see you on the programme next year. Perfect, perfect. Well, thanks so much, guys. It's been really interesting. No problem. Great. Thanks Thank you very us. much. Thank you. Very much. Thank you. So there you go. That was Sarah Cox, Lisa Morrison and David Lynch laying out the challenge to deliver energy efficient, low carbon homes and asking SMEs in the north of Tyne area to come forward with their solutions. What immediately struck me about this one was the huge variety of solutions that are out there to decarbonize homes. It's not just about retrofitting solar panels or getting rid of gas boilers. Uh, central, though, that work is to the mission. It's also about process innovation and increasing the availability of renewable energy and sustainable materials so that homeowners and tenants who want to do right by the environment are able to do so. And the other key thing, which I think is super important to highlight, was what the guests said about not becoming despondent and overwhelmed by what are truly systemic crises in terms of climate change and the currently very high cost of living we're facing, not just in the UK, but across the world. You know, Lisa reminded us how during the COVID-19 pandemic, for example, another kind of systems level crisis Far from being crippled under the weight of that adversity, people and businesses actually became more innovative than ever before. And we've all benefited from that innovation. So it's about recognizing the barriers that could be stopping you from taking action in the context of energy efficient homes. That might be barriers in terms of skills, access to finance or technology, and finding a way to get involved anyway. You know, Lisa, uh, David and Sarah all said that the main benefit of this challenge to SMEs was not the funding that is available necessarily, but the opportunity to join a community of businesses who are all driving at the same goals. You never know where those connections might take you. So uh, if you do want to get involved and have something to contribute in this mission to decarbonise homes, then please do reach out and get involved. You can register your interest by visiting challengenortheast.co.uk and find out more information by speaking to Sarah, Lisa or David directly. I'm sure they'd love to hear from you. So yeah, thanks as always for tuning in. We have the final episode of this innovation series to bring to you very shortly. And thanks to my guests for their time and insights on what is a really important piece of the net zero puzzle. Thanks again.